Welcome to Solving for X. This is Elliot Holland. In this episode, we are discussing the oceans, why sea level rise isn't a good description of the problem, how acidification happens, and what we can do to save our oceans. Also, we'll briefly discuss why we should save the oceans in the first place, if you need a reason. It's great to be sharing this journey with you, and I truly hope you have found the previous episodes enjoyable. Let's begin. Today we are discussing the oceans. The oceans illustrate just how complex and interdependent our global climate really is. Climate change is affected by lots of small natural habitats and formations that, if upset, cause chain reactions. In previous episodes, we discussed the film Waterworld and Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth. Both of these films describe a disastrous world where the ice caps melt and sea levels rise. For most people, imagining the sea level rising isn't difficult or even that scary. Someone who lives in, say, the Midwest of America, for example, might think, sea levels don't affect me, it's simply all those liberal coast dwellers who'd be displaced. For someone who doesn't live near the ocean, sea level rising isn't an issue. Unfortunately, that's false thinking. Potential sea level rise due to CO2 emissions and greenhouse gases has failed as a good warning. Sea level rise has proven to be ineffective at changing human behavior. If we are trying to provoke a human reaction in reducing emissions, we have failed. But why? Why can't we convince people that sea level rise is catastrophic to our way of life? For a decade, and even today, on average, people consistently underestimate the effects of the polar ice caps melting and what that could do to our world. So I'd like to walk through this melting problem one step at a time. First, the easiest thing to imagine is Manhattan, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Venice, Italy, all underwater. Okay, that's about 18 million for LA, 1.6 million in Manhattan, 7.8 million in the Bay Area, and a quarter million in Venice, Italy. So that's about 27 million people moving inland because of rising sea level. And that's just adding up the most iconic places I can think of. There are hundreds of coastal cities in America alone. If sea levels rise, the actual displacement of humans across the world is more likely to be in the hundreds of millions. I personally don't see how that's going to work. But maybe our culture can survive massive immigration. Perhaps displacement isn't really that big of a problem. Anyone who lives inland would most likely feel invaded by those coastal elites. Especially if that immigration all happened in a short period of time. If people just end up moving, maybe we can survive sea level rise. Unfortunately, that's not all that happens. The question is, what happens to the ocean when sea levels rise? The ocean has warm water patterns that create global currents deep under the ocean's surface. 
The ocean is warmest at the equator, and as the water spreads to the polar ice caps, it gets colder, and eventually freezes. As the ice caps start to melt, it starts cooling the warmer waters. You might say, who cares if the water is changing temperature? The answer is all the animals that live in the water. For example, tuna fish. You see, tuna fish eat other smaller fish. Fish living by coral reefs. Fishermen catching tuna fish go where the coral reefs are to find the fish. The tuna fish go to the coral reefs to find the smaller fish. Warm water kills the coral reef. When the coral reef dies, the smaller fish die. And that means the tuna fish die. Do you see the chain of events? Temperature change in the ocean kills tuna fish. I know that's silly, but it's important to understand just how complicated our ecosystem really is. Another element of the ocean is regarding rain. Cloud formation happens over the ocean. Those clouds hover over the earth, and then it rains. If the ocean temperature changes due to the ice caps melting, we get changes in weather patterns. More ocean predictably means larger, more dangerous storms. For example, larger hurricanes and deadlier tornadoes. This could mean massive damage to our infrastructure and our society at large. Changing weather patterns also cause other issues. For example, massive droughts. In a massive drought, our farmland becomes unusable. This adds a magnitude of stress and possible disaster to our current farming practices. But to make matters worse, this puts fresh water in jeopardy. Changing weather patterns could also affect ice melt from mountaintops. This truly would be an extinction-level event if we lose access to fresh water. Most life on Earth can't survive on salt water. We need ice melt from mountains to survive. If ice stops forming on our mountains, we are in big trouble. Most people don't realize that the majority of drinking water and water for crops and farms comes from ice melt. Okay, so the disaster we are facing from the oceans are massive. We're likely looking at refugees from coastal areas, loss of coral reefs and marine life, destructive hurricanes and tornadoes, and potentially massive drinking water shortages. If you add in political infighting and possibly nation warring, then you see how disastrous climate change becomes. I don't mean to pile on here, but it's necessary to talk about the ocean acidification in this section. Ocean acidification is the process of the ocean absorbing CO2. Do you remember the discussion we had about greenhouse gas absorption? How the ocean absorbs more than it puts out? Well, this issue adds complexity to that problem. The ocean, when absorbing CO2, begins a chemical reaction process that adds to the acidification balance of the water. Currently, this process is out of balance, and it's destroying coral reefs by weakening their skeletal structures along with our ocean temperature. Add these two together, 
and we are massively killing our coral reefs around the world. Again, we know very little about our oceans except how critical those coral reefs are. As you can see, our global structure is rather complex, but more importantly, it's interdependent. Oh yes, have I forgotten to mention plastic? Plastics are incredibly damaging to marine life. We often don't think about what happens when we throw our garbage away. The dump truck picks it up, and it's out of our minds. Often, that trash gets dumped in the ocean. This is obviously what we define as pollution. As a global society, we shouldn't let this happen if we want to maintain a balanced global habitat. But if we're going to adopt stewardship of the Earth, we must have a better place for garbage. Okay, have I scared you enough yet about our oceans? This show is called Solving for X, so let's talk about those solutions. In terms of trash, we must again hold our local community governments accountable. We can't allow private companies dumping their trash in the ocean. Another option is supporting companies like Four Oceans. Four Oceans is a company focused on cleaning up the trash and plastic in the ocean all around the world. Getting involved in activism like this can't be understated. Showing a passion for solving for pollution is a critical element to convince the rest of the world this is important. Even banding in groups and doing trash pickups shows your support for this perspective. Okay, let's tackle ocean acidification. There are several scientific ways of renewing the coral reef. There is a push in some circles for genetic modification to make coral reefs more resilient to temperature changes. Another widely held solution is growing coral reef nurseries to replace dead sections of the reef. And then, of course, there's the real answer, which is preventing the change in the first place by balancing out our CO2 and greenhouse gas emissions. Preventing the ice from melting and preventing ocean acidification is really what solves the problem. And yet, there are alternative solutions. One of my favorite solutions comes from a book called Freakonomics. The basic idea from Freakonomics is creating more cloud cover so that it reflects more sunbeams away from the Earth. This in turn would lower the Earth's temperature and help prevent the ice caps from melting. The way they put this idea into practice is by sending small boats all across the oceans spraying up salt water, churning up the air, forming more clouds. In theory, this could provide enough cloud cover to reflect sunlight away from the Earth and lower the global temperature. This is obviously something rather silly, but it's also the kind of thinking that is required to solve complicated problems. So those are some of the solutions to the ocean issues. Produce less carbon so the oceans don't absorb as much CO2, preventing acidification. Prevent the ice caps from melting, by lowering the greenhouse gas emissions, or reabsorbing them with solutions we've previously discussed. 
manage our coral reefs and maintain a balance in sea life and marine life all around the world, holding our communities accountable for ocean pollution, and, of course, preventing plastics and garbage from entering the ocean. So there you have it. But that's not what I really wanted to talk about in this episode. Here's what I really want to say about the oceans. I'd like to point out that our bodies are 70% water. All life on Earth is dependent on water. Water is considered the source of all life. It goes without saying that water is the most precious resource we have. Out of all the planets in our galaxy, our planet is one of the only planets with an abundance of water. Water that exists in gas, solid, and liquid form is hard to find. When we discuss terraforming other planets like Mars or Europa, a moon of Jupiter, our primary focus is the production and management of water. If we ignore our precious life source, the oceans, we ignore our own essence. I realize how silly this sounds, but somehow I believe we've forgotten how precious water is to our way of life. It's easy to forget about the oceans when you live on the land, but the ocean is truly our greatest asset and our most important resource. We should protect it. Next week, we bring this climate series to a close with a unifying theory and a statement of psychology to guide us forward in our efforts to solve the climate issue. We are a global people, and I am grateful you are listening. Until next time, this is Elliot Holland, Solving for X. (laughs) ¶¶